have to rage and be in turmoil because the wondrous blood of Christ has purchased our redemption. And a time like this in history and a time like this in our church age, what a blessed promise. He will hold us fast. This morning we're continuing our study and our series that we're entitling Grow, the study of God's work and what He does in the life of the disciple of Christ, of a follower of Christ. God does an amazing work. We've seen that He does a work in our hearts, and the result of that, of a growing Christian, is that we will worship Him. Last week we saw that we will hunger for the Word of God. And as we've talked all the way through, we have understood the goal of growth is Christ-likeness, to look more like our Savior. And so as we think of that this morning, let's go to God in prayer and ask His help and understanding His Word today. Let's bow. Gracious God, I thank You so much for the work that You have done in our hearts and lives. And Father, we thank You for a salvation that is freely offered to all who will believe. That the price Christ's death on the cross was given so that all might see, that all might receive. And He tarries even now, not willing that any should perish. And so God, as we who know You rejoice in the love that Christ has shown for us and the love that we have for you, we, we pray that if there, there is one who does not know Christ as his or her personal Savior, that today would be the day that you do a work in their heart and life. So God, now meet with us today. We need your, your strength. We need the Holy Spirit to open the, the Word to our hearts. We might understand, oh God, we need you. Pour out your Spirit upon our service today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I thought for this slide I would find the frilliest font that I could. Love. Love is a many, many splendored thing. Uh, I mean, a splendored thing. I always get that wrong. Um, and as we think of love and we think of that, that being our topic today, we have a lot of thoughts. I thought I'd go to the repository of all knowledge, Google, and I would ask just how many poems have been written on love. And, and Google blanked on me. <laughs> I got um, the top ten love poems, you know, Chaucer, Shakespeare, Shelley, Tennyson, you know, all of those there. Um, and, and I got this, searches related to how many poems have been written about love, the best love poems of all time. And I love this last one on the right side, I carry your heart with me. And I guess they wanted to be clear that it wasn't carrying an actual heart, but it was I carry in, in my heart, love in my heart. Um, but a lot has been written on love. In fact, you know, if you go through movies and books, there's like three or four plots, and one of them is love, and unrequited love is like the B, and there's English pe- teachers here, so I'm not going to go all, the, all through that, because uh, that would be woefully inadequate, I'm sure. But it is something that which we, upon which we think and dwell upon, love for others, God's love for us. And as we consider this idea of love, I will tell you today that I'm going to present to something to you that is the answer to the problems of our world and your problems, 
it's the answer to the, to the problems of Christianity at large, and maybe even our own congregation. And you say, well, Stacey, that's over the top. But I shared this with you this morning, that it's not new, but an old revelation, a revelation from Jesus Christ himself, the author of love. And as I present this this morning, it's not going to be spectacular. It's not going to be groundbreaking new. It's going to be something that we know and have known for many years of our life. It's a commodity that we talk a lot about, but show very little. Love. It is what Jesus had in his heart as he left the splendors of heaven to come for us. And love is the characteristic of a believer who is growing in his or her faith. Love. I'm going to make this uh, supremely topical. I'm going to jump in here in a second. We're going to hit three main uh, categories. Love for God, love for people who do not know Christ, and love for fellow believers. Love. Growing in love. Number one, love for God. Love for God. Step one begins with knowing Jesus. There is no other step that can come before this. We cannot love without understanding the love of God and knowing Jesus. So our love for God and the command to love God begins in the Word of God. One can try to love God, but without Jesus it is impossible. A genuine love for God begins with repentance and faith in Jesus Christ. The step two is to understand that our love for God finds its birth in God's love for us. Now, we understand that there is a command of love, but there is no other more recognized verse in all of the world than John 3.16. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but shall have everlasting life. Love. So we understand our love is generated from God. It is that we are to love like Jesus. Christ's love caused Him to leave heaven to show His grace and His care for us. But Christ's own words gave us a command. Matthew 22, uh, verse 3. And He said unto him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart. Now the the, the background of the story is the the ones, okay, what's what's the greatest commandment? What is it? And so Jesus gives them this, and Jesus summarizes the, the Ten Commandments in two. First, love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and your mind. Then he said, love your neighbor as yourself. Well, where did Jesus get this? Did he just pull this out of the hat? No, he did not. We think of the Shema, which is the, uh, the Hebrews as they cried out in, from Deuteronomy 6.4. They would say, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. Shema being here. But the next verse says, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all your soul, with all your might. So Jesus takes them back to not only the Ten Commandments, but the very foundation of the Jewish culture and religion, of loving God with all their heart, their soul, their mind, this love for God. And so when he commands this, you shall love the Lord your God, it is this command for them. All three synoptic gospels quote this story, and Jesus saying this, you shall love the Lord with all. Your God with all your heart. It's important, important. 
In fact, if you go to the last book of the New Testament, the very last book, the Revelation of John the Apostle, as John is writing, he writes uh, to, to a church that we would know as Ephesus. Uh, Paul wrote there also. But as John writes, he writes to the church, he says, I know your deeds and your toil and your perseverance, that you cannot tolerate evil men, that you put to test those who call themselves apostles and are not. You have found them to be false. You have with perseverance endured for my name's sake and have not grown weary. Okay? This is a great church. They're doing all the right things. However, the next verse says, but I have this against you that you have left your first love. They were doing all the right things. We would look at them and say, that's a model church. Man, they stand against evil. They stand against those who would come into the church, false prophets. They would stand against all those things. They're they're persevering. They're working hard. And they don't even look like they're weary. They're a good church. But they left their first love, the love of God himself. Do you know he's capable to do a lot of good things? To stand up for a lot of good causes. To stand on the fundamentals of the faith and not love God supremely. Sometimes we are more focused on being right. Being right in front of other people. Instead of being right and with God and loving God. C.S. Lewis said this. He says, on the whole, God's love for us is much safer subject to think about than our love for Him. We love to sing about God loving us. But what about our love for Him. See, the first step of love, as we speak of it from God's Word, is that because God has loved us, we love Him. We have such a great debt to pay. So love of God is paramount. It's the greatest commandment. It all begins here. And if you really want to know what makes a faithful Christian tick, it is this issue of loving God. Love for God does everything for us. It, it, it prioritizes our life. And I think the takeaway from this very first one is let the love of God prioritize everything, all of your life, your hobbies, your relationships, your work. Everything that you do, allow the love of God to prioritize it and love Him supremely and love Him first. Indeed, we cannot love others well until we love God. And that's easier said than done. I don't want GBF to be a church where we do everything right, but we have left our first love. Loving God. Maybe it is you take time to contemplate your love for God. Do you and I, do we corporately as a fellowship of believers, do we love God? Or we're just going through the motions. Or he's just doing the right things for people. Doing the right things so that we are seen instead of doing it from a heart of love for God. Loving God. Secondly, as we prioritize our love, we come to loving those who do not know Jesus. See, we're commanded also in Scripture to love those who do not know Jesus. We find that admonition borne out through Christ. Paul tells us to pray for those who are in authority over us, to have a care for them, 
through loving God practically begins with loving those who do not know Jesus. Loving all of them. And it's wonderfully illustrated by Jesus Himself. In Matthew 9, 35-38. Turn there with me, please. Matthew 9. And if you are the kind of the underline, um, I would underline a, a section in verse 36. Verse 35 says, Jesus was going through all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, and proclaiming the gospel, the good news of the kingdom, and healing every kind of disease and every kind of sickness. So Jesus is on His ministry. In verse 36, it says, Seeing the people, He felt compassion for them, because they were distressed and dispirited like sheep without a shepherd. At every instance, for those who who followed Jesus around learning and teaching, for those who were hungry, for those who were lame, for those who were blind, for those who were dead, not only in their sins, but physically dead. Jesus shows a remarkable compassion for those who have not yet come to faith in Him. You know, we find it easy to, to love those who are like us, Okay? from our maybe social economic walk of life, or whatever it is, the language that we speak, or the hobbies that we have. We love people like that. But Jesus is loving those who do not know Him, who are opposed to Him, or some are curious, and He has compassion because He sees that they're dispirited, they're, they're sad, they're discouraged, and they're wandering as if they were sheep without a shepherd. And Jesus loves them. Jesus cares for them. And for the one who loves God, the love for those who do not know Jesus must be deep, deep within the heart. It's a patience and a care. It's a patience and a care and a love that's not condescending. Because, I mean, how ugly is that? Let me love you because I have the the way, so. No. It is understanding that we were there where they were. We were lost and we... Probably in some cases, we're more rebellious, shaking our fists in the face of God. And we love them because God loved us and He reached out to us. And so we reach out to them with the love of Christ. The love for others that is humble, that is meek. The love that's genuine. I'm going to leave it right there because we're going to go delve in this topic a little more in a couple of weeks. But here, assessment is good also. Not only assessing our love for God, but assessing our love for those who do not know Jesus and care for them. And yes, we enjoy being together with those who know Christ, but we should go out of our way to learn to know those who do not know Christ and to love them. And so let the love of Christ flow through you. Let the love of Christ flow through you that those who do not know Jesus know that Jesus has loved you and has changed you. That meekness, that humility that Christ exhibited. The attitude of service that he, he, he had with Him as He went everywhere. The attitude of care and compassion. Let Christ's love flow through you. Thirdly, we find that the love of fellow believers is a mark of love of a growing Christian. Of course, it's commanded. Turn to John thirteen thirty three. 
John 13.33. It's a command that Jesus gave in the upper room just before he goes to the Garden of Gethsemane. He spends some time with them, and then in this time before, before he's betrayed by Judas, he gives these words. In verse 33, he says, Little children, I am with you a little while longer. You will seek me. And as I said to the Jews, now, also, now I also say to you, where I'm going, you cannot come. Remember that phrase, where I'm going, you cannot come. Here's the introductory phrase. But he says, however, now a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. So here's the new commandment of love of one another. And by way of reinforcing, he says this, by this all men will know that you are my disciples, if you have love one for another. Now, unfortunately, Simon Peter skips over the love part, and he goes back to the part, well, what is this about you not coming? And he says, Lord, where are you going? Where are you going? And Jesus said, you can't follow me now. Not right now. What I'm talking about is this commandment of love. The commandment of love to love those who love Christ. It's a new commandment to love one another. And it's interesting that Jesus says that a new commandment See, love God, love your neighbor. Love God, love your neighbor. The, the Ten Commandments kind of encapsulated. And now this new one, not only love your neighbor, but love those who love God. All men will know that you're my disciples if you have love one for another. So it's a new commandment, and it's a new commandment with a supreme example. It's Jesus himself, because he's been demonstrating his love these, 33 and a half, uh, these three and a half years. 33 and a half was his life. 30, these three and a half years, he has been demonstrating this as he walks down the, the dusty lanes with them, as he preaches, as he teaches, as he shares with them. He's been demonstrating. He's the supreme example. And so this wonderful commandment has a wonderful sign. You see, the love for others, first of all, is a sign of you being a disciple. Understand that? When Jesus says, by all, all men will know that you're my disciples if you have love for one another, it's saying to those people around you that may or may not know Jesus, you are a disciple, a pupil, a follower of Christ if you have love one for the other. Is the sign of a disciple in your life? Is that there within you? If you were accused, would they have evidence of proof that you're a disciple? And that's the reality that we have. John the Apostle writes again his epistle, 1 John, um, chapter 4, verse 7. Would you turn there also? 1 John 4, 7. This is a passage that I come to often. In fact, I may preach through the epistle of 1 John before too long. But as John writes to believers... He writes this. He says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He doesn't stop there. Verse 8. The one who does not love does not know God, for God is love. 
He continues, Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. So if he says, if God loved us, we love one another. He's saying that if you don't love, you don't know God. The love of God is not in you. Verse 19, as he continues, we love because he first loved us. We didn't start out loving God. God loved us, saved us. We love Him. If someone says, I love God, verse 20, and hates his brother, he is a liar. For the one who does not love his brother whom he has has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. We love because He first loved us. In verse 21, this, this is the commandment we have from Him. The one who loves God should love his brother also. So not only is it a sign that we're a disciple, but it's a sign that there's salvation. There's been regeneration in the heart. Okay? It's one thing to follow God, and we probably could fake following God, a disciple for some. But John is giving a more base level than, foundational level than just a disciple. It's an evidence of salvation. It is the evidence that something has happened in the heart God has done a work through the, the blood of Christ and regenerated you. He's changed you to, to, to be His own. He's, he's forgiven your sin. He's washed you white as snow. He's cleaned your heart. He's placed you within the body of Christ. He's, he's promised a, a home in heaven for you. He's preparing that home now. And now as you live, the Holy Spirit, the blessed Holy Spirit is abiding within you. It's a sign of salvation if you have love one for another. That's one other sign. Turn to Colossians 3.12. Colossians 3.12. There's another sign that love exhibited, love shown, tells others. Verse 12 of Colossians chapter 3. So as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, bearing with one another, forgiving each other, whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you. And beyond these things, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. We understand that the word perfect is the word that gives us the understanding of being complete. A, a maturing process. A maturation as we are becoming complete in Christ. Perfected in the work of God of Christ. Not, not sins all gone. But that work that He's doing. Do you realize that as you love as Christ loves... It is a sign of maturity as a believer. See, immature believers hold grudges and hate. And they hold things in tightly and it eats at them. But a sign of maturity for a believer is one who loves others. A one who loves even when those that we're called upon to love are unlovely. See, it's a sign of salvation. It's a sign of being a disciple or follower, a pupil of Christ. 
It's a sign of maturity, love is. So we can say to, to grow in love is a sign that you're becoming more and more like Christ, that the growth that is happening within your heart is this growth of love, is maturity, is the maturation process that's going and it's ongoing in the heart. We'll never be complete in this process until we step foot in heaven. But this is the process that we're on. The maturing process of loving one another. Of loving others. So love for fellow followers of Christ is important. It is commanded. The takeaway here is let love for fellow believers show that you are a disciple of Jesus. Not only are you a disciple, you've been saved, regenerated, and you're maturing in Christ. That you're loving one another. I'm not sure what else to say about this. For those who have come to faith in Christ, who've trusted in His sacrifice of His atoning work, there is a common trait, not only of loving God, but loving others. Loving others. You know, it's easy to be critical. It's easy to be critical, to say they don't do things the way I want them to do it. They don't do things like I want it done. It's my way or the highway to be unloving, always looking down on others. But if we're uncharitable, critical, and harsh, and selfish, then we don't love God as we should. The love of our God is not in us. And can I say this to your parents? To, to, to you who are parents, if, if there's a lack of love, there's a lack of love in you. This maturing process hasn't happened. Either one or two things are going to happen to your kids. Either you're going to turn out like you, harsh and critical and hateful, and go into the motions, or they're going to turn away from you and God because they're going to see the hypocrisy. They're going to see you say one thing at church and hear another on the drive home. Boy, I can't believe that person did. How serious God takes love in the body. It's a sobering thought. The faithful Christian, the one who is growing, will have this mark in him and her. When we don't love others, it belies the fact that we don't love God as we should. And really, folks, this is where the rubber meets the road for all of us, for Christendom, for those who know Christ. I understand people sometimes don't make themselves easy to love. I'm sorry about myself, okay? But love doesn't love just because the other person is lovely. If that was the case, Christ would not have loved us. pattern of Jesus is so convicting here. I don't know about you, as I studied this this week, as I looked at these passages, it's sobering. It's sobering. And each of us must pattern ourselves after Christ in this area. We cannot walk away from it. I ask you a question, is there someone that you haven't loved as you should? And generally, 
God will flash a picture of that person's face in your mind. Ever thought about that? God, who is it that I interact with that I am not loving a believer? Who is it? If God has revealed someone to you, if your conscience has, you need to deal with that immediately. Take care of it. See, your, my conscience and your conscience, we know. The Holy Spirit reveals those things to us. He kind of puts his finger on, hmm, yeah, it's that person or those people. If we're allowing the Holy Spirit to work in our heart and to lead us and to guide us, He'll bring those to mind and we will be diligent about repairing that relationship. The question for us is, will we be obedient? Will we be obedient? So a follower of Christ is one who loves. Is one who loves, the one who loves God, exhibits it. Not a false Hey, look at me. I love God. Give me my gold star. But a love for God that spills over into love for those who do not know Jesus and a love for others who do know Jesus. You know, I wonder what the impact would be in our community if all those who profess to know Jesus Christ would love as we are to love. If in our community, we have a very large community of Christians here in the Greenville area. In our world, if we Christians was love as we ought to love, stop fighting with each other, caring for one another, and fix our heart on the love of God and loving Him supremely, what would it do in our community? I guarantee you they'll see Christ through us. It would make a dramatic change. Like people would wonder, what's going on? What's going on with the Christians? Wow. I've never seen them as kind as caring for each other. I've never seen them kind and caring for others, meeting the needs of those who have great needs in their community. And that would exalt the name of Jesus. I wonder if revival would break out. See, revival is not a, necessarily a coming, um, a people coming to Christ. Revival, first and foremost, is the change of heart in a believer. That's the reviving. If we were, were to revive by the love of Christ and our heart being demonstrated, flowing through us, then the result would be men and women and boys and Christ, uh, girls coming to Christ would know. You know, this is serious. This is for real. This is not something we just read about in Scripture. We set aside and go back to our busy lives. Love for God, love for others is serious. God means it. Sometimes I believe that we take God's hand of blessing off our lives because of that very fact. Not to love is sin. Can I be that blunt? Not to love someone in the body of Christ, not to love others, and not to love God is sin. It's a sin that you and I struggle with, and we must, by God's help, overcome. 
What would happen? What would happen if we loved God and loved others? I pray that it will be your heart cry. You'll be changed by the word of God today. You will love as Jesus loves. Let's bow. Gracious God, I thank you for who you are, for the power of your word, for the conviction that it has in us, for us. Oh God, I, I cry out in shame for the love that I have not had for others corporately for the love that we have not shown to those around us, for those in the body of Christ. Oh God, I pray that we have not left our first love, but sometimes I'm afraid that we have. And oh God, would you do a reviving in our hearts and lives today? May we confess our sins. May we find hope and forgiveness and comfort through your love. Oh God, may all see Jesus through us. Oh God, I pray that you would do a work in our hearts and lives. It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen.